0: I'm not going to ask what her childcare arrangements are. I am just going to celebrate her as a scientist.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature Real Stories Where Humans and Our Habitat Meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. In part two of our Science Camp series, we'll hear from a woman who dreamed of becoming a scientist and didn't realize she might need a beard for the job.
0: When she was a little girl, Ellen Carano fell in love with dinosaurs. I've wanted to be a paleontologist since I was five years old. I learned about dinosaurs. And I had awesome, awesome supportive parents who encouraged me on the way. I went to college, got a degree in geology, went on to grad school, got a PhD in paleontology. And then I went on and got my first real job. I was a faculty member at a state school in Ohio. And around this time, I started realizing that there weren't a lot of people who looked like me in paleontology. You know, historically, science has been a a very male profession. And we could go back, you know, say 150 years and women weren't even allowed to do science. So in paleontology, we like to point to Mary Anning, She was a poor, uneducated woman in England in a place called Lyme Regis, the most amazing fossil finder ever. So she found the first marine reptiles, so things like ichthyosaurs and plesiosaurs, ammonites, so all these really weird fossils of animals that weren't around today, and people didn't know why that was. But she wasn't allowed to study them because she was female, so she had to turn them over to the the male scientists of the day to look at. Right now, at the college level, it's about 50% of geology and paleontology students are women. At the grad level, same thing. But then you get out into the professional world, and it's so 16% of U.S. geology faculty are women. 23% of professional paleontologists are women. She saw
1: that reflected in her job in Ohio.
0: So I would go to meetings, and it would be mostly men, especially my age and older. Or I would go to faculty meetings. I was in the geology department there, and we had three women and about 15 men. So I was in a faculty meeting. I have what I thought was a very good idea. I say it. Everyone, either they laughed or they said, oh, well, that's not something we need to worry about, or they just ignored it. And then five minutes later, my male colleague said the same thing. And all of a sudden, it became this amazing idea. And, oh, Mike says it. So we need to think about that. That's happened a lot of other times in my career. And at some point, you don't notice it. At some points, you do. And I you know, I think this is not just a paleontology thing. This is across across fields.
1: How did that feel
0: when <laughs> you were shut down like that? Um, awful <laughs> i I got angry. I think after the meeting, I just went and sat in my office and stewed for a little while. And then I went and had dinner with Lexi, and five hours later was you know, it was still grating on me.
1: Ellen's talking about her friend Lexi Marsh, an
0: independent filmmaker. Over dinner and a bottle of wine... We were joking around about how hard it was for both of us to succeed in our fields as women. And one of us popped the joke, oh, well, if you could just put a beard on, then you would fit in and you wouldn't be questioned and everything would be fine. And so we started laughing about, oh, well, then Ellen, what if you went into the field and you put on a beard and then, you know, wow, that would be hilarious. And Lexi should come and film that. So we started with this idea of making a five-minute YouTube video where I would wear a beard in the field and Lexi would come and film me and we would talk about paleontology and women in paleontology. And then things just kind of exploded from there. Historically, there's
1: no shortage of photos of bearded male scientists, and that's part of the problem. Crack open a science textbook, and a bushy-faced Charles Darwin is looking back at you. But it's not just images from the 19th century.
0: You know, I'm kind of an outsider here, just looking at who was I seeing in National Geographic, who was I seeing on popular science programs, and it was always men. Many of them do have beards, especially after they've been in the field for a little while. So Ellen and Lexi and some other friends
1: wanted to correct that imbalance with their own photo series and a documentary film. They called it the Bearded Lady Project.
0: So our first shoot was in the Hanna Basin, Wyoming. And so I reached out to the, the scientists who were going to be in the field with me, and they happened to all be women. And I said, hey... You know, would you be willing to put on a beard and mustache and we have this crazy idea? And thankfully, they were really, really awesome women and thought it would be funny, and they did it. We only did three bearded portraits there. But it was clear how much fun this was going to be. You know, you you put the beard on and the mustache on and you have the mirror and you have the iPhones and you just look ridiculous and you're laughing. For the women, it was, you know, oh, there's this community of people who feel the way I do and who are doing something funny about it. You know, it's at the heart of our project is to be proactive and to use humor. We don't want to sit around and whine and, you know, oh, women are only 16% of geoscience faculty, life sucks. But to to infuse some humor and then also using art. And art is so powerful at starting conversations. So you see that picture of me Wearing my usual field clothes and having the beard and mustache. And then what, what conversation does that provoke? What are the things that come into your minds? So one of the things that we were explicitly trying to do is recapture this history of women in paleontology So we talked before about the textbooks and you have all the pictures of men and all the black and white pictures of the early days and mostly bearded men in those pictures. And so we tried to emulate that style of photography. And then you have the woman, but you have the beard. So does that make her tougher? Does that make her a better geologist? Well, no, of course not. That just makes her a woman wearing a costume. So let's... let's you know, the next step is taking that costume off and just getting to be yourself and being celebrated for who you are. After that first
1: shoot, the Bearded Lady Project website was launched, and the crew headed to the 2014 Geological Society of America conference, where they worked on recruiting more women
0: scientists for the project. And we got the paleobotanist at Berkeley really excited about the project. And so she invited our film crew out and then went and recruited 25 senior scientists and students to participate. One of the faculty members there, Carol Hickman, is a professor emeritus, so, you know, has retired but still actively doing science. Um, So at first, she was very dubious about joining the project because her philosophy has always been, I am a woman, I am a scientist, I am not a woman scientist. I have also felt that in my career as well. Like I'll go and give talks places, usually geology departments, and inevitably, a faculty member very well-meaning will come up to me and say, it's so great for our students to have a young female scientist like you to interact with. And, and I know they mean well, but it feels a little bit like a backhanded compliment because I just want to be a scientist. You know, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter whether you're a male scientist or a female scientist. And then, you know, think about how, how men are portrayed, you know, Think about if you read a newspaper article or a popular science article about Einstein or E.O. Wilson or, you know, pick your favorite scientist who is a man. And nowhere in that article is it going to say he's a male scientist. There's this awesome test. It's called the Finkbeiner test, and this is named after a journalist who was asked to profile a female scientist and said, well, okay, but I'm going to profile her exactly as if she was a man. I'm not going to say she's a female scientist. I'm not going to ask what her husband does. I'm not going to ask what her child care arrangements are. I am just going to celebrate her as a scientist.
1: Back to Carol Hickman, the professor emeritus from Berkeley, who said she's a woman and a scientist, but not a woman scientist. Because of that, she took some convincing to be part of the Bearded Lady Project. But
0: then she was like, "Okay, okay, I'm going to do this, but can I bring my own mustache? And you know, at this point, we were desperate for anyone. And so, of course, she can bring her own mustache. And then you sense, oh, there's a story behind this. This is one of those examples of you just cannot make this stuff up. Early in her career, she had been doing field work in the Australian outback. And she found that if she put a mustache on her face, she was more likely to be left alone. And then she could get her work done. She could do her science. She would not be harassed. In the, I think this was the 1970s, there she is in the field wearing a mustache so she can do science. So my first reaction was, oh, my God, I can't believe that actually happens. This is so perfect because it was, it was exactly the story that we were trying to tell of, oh, if I just put a beard on, people would recognize what I do. People would leave me alone. People would celebrate what I do. It was amazing.
1: You said that was your first reaction. What was your second reaction? <laughs>
0: it might be kind of sad to say that I wasn't troubled by it that it, it made sense to me, and that I have jokingly thought about doing it. I've just never taken that step to do it. <laughs> Except on film and in photos. At this point, the project was
1: taking off. Ellen landed a grant from the National Science Foundation, which helped fund the project. A few months later, the crew headed to Berkeley to photograph more than two dozen women paleontologists, all wearing beards. And finally, in the fall of 2016, more than two years after Ellen joked to her friend about putting on a fake beard, the Bearded Lady Project previewed the photos at that year's Geological Society conference.
0: We had, you know, questions like, how do you stick beards to your face? And the answer to that is spirit gum. Also things about where the beards come from, um, how many beards we used. So the beards come from a theatrical supply company Many of them are made out of human hair. And I think we have about 30 beards and 30 mustaches. So we photographed 100 women and we did some mixing up of beards and mustaches so no one was exactly the same.
1: How have men responded to this?
0: All across the board. We have what we like to call our Beards for Bearded Ladies, who have been supportive of the project from the beginning. But then we also have, you know, within the paleontological community. So, you know, so I think this was especially powerful when we had the photos up, and you have men come into the exhibit, and they see someone they recognize. And they wouldn't necessarily have expected this woman to participate in a project like this. They didn't realize how many women are are feeling the way they do. And so then that starts this conversation of, oh, well, this this scientist that I work with, this scientist in my departments is is having the, these feelings of not fitting in, of not being taken seriously. Is there something bigger going on in my department, in my group of collaborators? How can we work together to try to make things better? Then we have, you know, the ones who are just kind of like, meh, all right, you did an art exhibit. And then, you know, there there are a few who would say, there's not a problem, you're wasting your time. But that attitude is exactly why Ellen is doing the project. And so we're trying to, to advocate for women, to feature them prominently, to celebrate what they're doing, and then to start these conversations about why aren't women succeeding and what is it about science and about, in our case, paleontology that is forcing women out or making them feel uncomfortable and uncomfortable enough that they leave.
1: Why don't women stay out in the field?
0: It's a pretty complicated problem, and there are all sorts of reasons. So one of the things that that people have just started studying a lot are implicit biases, and that from a pretty young age, people are, are taught that boys are good at math and science and girls are good at English and art and history and and not science. I guess that's the more important thing. And so going back to the faculty meeting, I said something that was a good idea, but the implicit bias stopped people from recognizing that it was a good idea because I had said it. Then my male colleague says it. there's not that implicit bias. And so he is recognized for having a good idea. And, you know, they've done studies in the science showing that um, men are more likely to get grants, to get invited to give talks places, to have higher profile publications. And I think implicit bias is a lot of the reason for that. I think another reason is a uh, lack of role models. And this was a big deal for me that as I was, you know, pursuing my career, And I didn't see a lot of very successful female paleontologists. And so then that forced me to think about, is there a reason why this is true? Can I be a woman and a successful paleontologist? A few months ago,
1: Ellen screened the documentary for an audience of middle school and high school girls and their science teachers as part of a women in STEM conference at the University of Wyoming, where Ellen now
0: teaches. And we were in the union, in that that giant ballroom, and it was pretty full. There were like 500 people there. It was rapt attention, them watching the movie. And then after the movie, I got up and I did about a 30-minute question and answer session with them. And it was so exciting to get to do that because, you know, first off, we're here in Wyoming, which has the best fossils of anywhere in the US. And so having this young audience of like, appreciate what you have in your state, be proud of your state. You guys have fossils in your backyard. How cool is that? And then also thinking about that we're working with, with young women who are potentially interested in science. And So Wyoming does have the largest wage gap of any state in the nation. And a lot of that wage gap is due to women not going into things like geology, the energy industry, STEM fields. And so being able to talk with that many young women in the state and to show them positive footage of women doing science. What questions did they ask? (laughs) they had such a range of questions. So one young woman asked me, so do I have advice for someone her age who loves science and feels very isolated in her school? What I told her, which is not a bad answer, but maybe not a feasible answer, is work on creating a community. And if you don't have it in your school, maybe a teacher can help you reach out to neighboring schools and with the technology we have with Facebook, with Instagram, and I don't know, whatever kids are using these days, to have a digital community. And I think one of the great things that we've done in this project is we've built a community. And so we had our first uh, showing of the photographs in Denver at the Geological Society annual meeting. And we had a party opening night for anybody who had participated. And so we got this amazing cross-section of women. Some of them are students, some of them are postdocs, people like me kind of early in their career, and then people like Kiri Behrensmeyer who are foundational figures in paleontology. And so you got to watch this this intergenerational set of conversations and you got to watch the, the older scientists encouraging the younger ones. You got the peer groups interacting with each other and saying, oh, this happened to me. Oh, yeah, that happens to me as well. Okay, now what do we try to do about this? Our storyteller was Ellen Carano.
1: The Bearded Lady Project photo exhibition and documentary film premiered in 2017. They're now on tour. And the project is working to pay it forward with a scholarship fund, to provide grants for the next generation of women paleontologists. You can watch the film trailer and see some of the portraits at our website, humannaturepodcast.org. And there's more at thebeardedladyproject.com. I'm Caroline Ballard. The show is produced by Aaron Jones. Alana Elder is our production assistant. Our digital producer is Anna Rader. And our senior producer is Micah Schweitzer. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. Our third and final Science Camp episode features a science journalist who will introduce us to a tree that's telling the story of climate change. Listen for that on August 4th.